Hello and welcome to episode two of The Spirit Cabinet. Today I will be talking with the Asheville medium, Anthony Mikulajewski. Anthony has studied with some of the world's top mediums in the U.S. and the U.K. and has even studied at the prestigious Arthur Finley College and is part of the ethical organization Best American Psychics. So, Anthony, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. Well, it's great to be here, and thank you for inviting me, Travis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I was excited to talk to you because I'd never really had a conversation with you before. Um, You know, the mediums and spiritualists, we kind of all tend to run in small and overlapping circles. So I'd been aware (laughs) of you from social media and things like that. So when I was thinking about this podcast and different potential guests, um, I thought, yeah, it would be a perfect person to kind of... um, be my guinea pig for my first recorded interview on this particular platform. So thank you again. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, when I was doing this before and I was kind of playing with different ways of going about it, I was doing a, a series of some interviews on YouTube and I always started with the same question with everybody because the answers were always a little bit unique and, um, a little bit varied, but I, I wanted to start by asking you, in your experience, in your belief system, are mediums born or are mediums made? Well, I think, um, I, I do believe mediums are born. I, I can give you two separate answers to this question because I believe that everybody can do this. Um, but on the other hand, I don't think everybody wants to do mediumship and wants to deal with, you know, the passing of loved ones. And not only that, but serious events that's, uh, that have happened uh, either with those people here in the spirit world, but also, um, you know, the lives of the people that you're giving the readings to in the physical. And we do cover some very intense um you know, situations from everything from joyous and loving memories to, you know, um, to uh, people being murdered, unfortunately, or disappearing um, um, or, you know, abuse issues. So it, it does get very deep. And so my answer to why I think you're a born medium is that I think you as a soul make that choice when you incarnate of what your, you know, your journey is going to be. And I think you accept uh, as a soul to make that agreement before coming in of taking on that responsibility because it's a huge responsibility. Absolutely. Now I'm curious, it kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with this, which is, you know, did those mediumistic, experiences come later for you or when you look back at your childhood where there's sort of foreshadowings of that i actually had uh quite a few visitations as a child uh travis and you know um 
and then they kind of disappeared, uh, so to speak. They, uh, the visitations after that became more signs. Uh, generally, um, I was born much later in life, and I was the last child um, out of three. And as a teenager, it, I, I really kind of tuned it off, you know. But as I had um, some of my relatives pass away, uh, they they came to us in signs and and um, you know to let us know that they they had crossed over and um, I mean just extraordinary signs I mean <laughs> like uh, severe wrappings on the door and okay um, you know I mean uh, mirrors falling off the off the wall that are you know I don't know twenty feet long. You know? in the basement because we had a finished basement, but I mean, just signs like that, that really grab your attention. And, you know, you go downstairs and the mirror's not, the mirror's still intact, you know? Um, and those wrappings on that door was from a, a door entering, uh, from the garage, which was locked from the inside, uh, from the garage door and the side door and the screen door as well. And, <laughs> and, um, it wasn't just a light wrapping. It was a pounding. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, shortly after you get the phone call less than a minute ago, a minute later, I should say, uh, indicating that my grandfather passed away. So, um, so after that, I, I started to have more, um, more experiences, more in my twenties. There was a time in my late teens, uh, early twenties, I'd say up to about 20, uh, 21 years old there it kind of went dormant for a while and I think I, I just kind of needed to experience that time in the physical as a teenager and <clears throat> young adult and then I started having visions um, of things that would um, happen shortly after the vision so it was almost like a, a movie being played out for me and then Sometimes five minutes after, um, 10 minutes after this would, um, you know, play out, you know, um, either right in front of me or I'd hear from other people, it would play out shortly after. Um, so, um, I don't know if you know, but I have been in the hair industry, um, for 34 years and through that time, uh, my psychic ability started to ramp up and then I started having more spiritual <clears throat> connections with the loved ones on the other side from spirit. And um, it was so much in my face, you know, that I, I had to start take take notice. And so um, I realized that there was quite a few stylists that were not having this <laughs> the same experience <laughs> And so I did my research and decided to take classes and, and further my education to explore more of what I was experiencing and, and more about who I am. And it was quite a process. I fought and kicked the entire time because I was a very analytical person. Right. You know, it's it's so interesting. Um, I, was, I was reading a book from a, uh, a teacher um, and they were talking about how in all of their courses that they've done over the years, the most common profession amongst their students who are studying for mediumship were 
hairstylist in some form or fashion. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And um, I don't know, you know, it's, I'm sure you see this with um, your clients. I think that sometimes with, with any sort of hair, hairstylist or anything like that, um, you probably, and very similar to the psychic thing, people open up and, um, you know, you have conversations and your guard kind of gets uh, let down a little bit and you form sort of those connections. And I wonder if that's part of it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it is. But I also think, too, you're blending with their energy without necessarily knowing it. Um, mm. I think there's a, a part of your energy that's expanding um, to kind of get the feeling of where the client's coming from because hair is all about feelings, okay? And I, I, I really kind of analyzed that myself and thought, you know, why, why is it that uh, this was happening to me? And, and um, I remember asking um, Mavis Patilla, because um, I studied with her exclusively, and she said, you probably didn't realize you were expanding your energy to connect with her to, you know, kind of almost like reading her aura uh, or his aura, you know, of, of what the client was looking for. So you were tapping into that somewhat naturally and didn't even know what you're doing. That makes and I a thought, lot of wow, <laughs> you know, wow. <laughs> yeah, that makes so much sense. And, you know, uh, it, it's an art form. It's absolutely an art form. Um, you you just brought up Mavis, and when I um, when you agreed to do this, I I started kind of stalking you a little bit, your your web presence, and I was looking at your website and oh. um, some of the people that you studied under, and I'm seeing names like Mavis and Tony Stockwell, Sheila French, uh, Simone Key, and and so many others. Um, what you know in in the world abroad that might not mean much to most people but in the mediumship community those are pretty significant people um as far as their their reputation and their credibility what was that like and how did some of those opportunities come about well um you know in in the hair industry i uh, worked for a salon that was very much into education and just to backtrack a bit um, we would fly out to, you know, London, England and Scotland and Paris. And we would study with, um, you know, Tony Guy and Vidal Sassoon's and um, Rita Rusk Institute in Glasgow, Scotland, um, just to name a few. And um, every year the salon would, would uh, go on these, these excursions, these trips, where we'd be going for, you know, two or three weeks for education. And it would be, you know... Um, we take the, depending on where you were as a stylist, um, some people would be still an intermediate, uh, beginners or intermediate or classic hairstyling. And then there would be stylists there that of course were more into intermediate and advanced. And then of course there's more advanced classes, um, and photography of taking your own, uh, pictures of your own work. And then there's the teaching, you know, um, aspect. So, um, when I had my salon, I had my own business, um, which I was, um, 
self-employed for, oh gosh, about uh, 26 years being self-employed. I um, had my own business and then I sold it and uh, sold my home. And I had an opportunity given to me to go to Sassoon's and teach there and work for Sassoon's. And that was in the early 90s. And so it was a big um, decision to make, but it was such a great opportunity. And so I grasped it and I went and um, I did it. And I lived there for five years. And um, during that time, I realized, um, you know, I reached for the top. I reached for the people at the top to be able to get the adequate and the best education possible. And so when the answer to your question about mediumship is that, you know, I studied with a few people locally in Florida when I lived there after I got back from England and kind of dabbled in it a little bit. Um, I had um, a couple really great readings from mediums, from two mediums when I lived in Florida who presented that I must be doing that there you're going to be doing this as as a medium you can do what I do now you just don't even know it Mm. and in 13 years you're going to become a medium and I said you know there's just no way I just everything you said was absolutely spot on but I don't believe this and I just never saw myself doing this professionally to be honest with you and um So I started taking some classes and I started to realize from my tutors that their teachers, I should say, that they were very, they're like, oh my gosh, you really are so much more connected than you even imagined. And you're so, you know, your accuracy is really well. I mean, it's, you're doing great. So, uh, you know, to make a long story short, um, I started to, um, you know, look into this more of why this was happening to me. I think it's a normal question as a medium or someone who hasn't been a medium from, you know, working into this at a younger age and then transitioning much later. I think it's normal for you to ask why this is happening. (laughs) You know, I, I think it's abnormal if someone's not questioning themselves about what's going on. So um, I I decided that I was going to take more classes here locally when I moved to Asheville. And um, a medium told me that I studied under, um, her name is Jill Jackson, and she's the Mississippi medium now. She's She no longer lives in Asheville. But she says, you know, Anthony, you have to go to go study with somebody that, like you did with hair, and go to the top. And that's what I did. So... Um, I went abroad to, um, well, actually, I studied with um, Tony Stockwell locally at Omega in several classes. And then um, I started studying with Mavis here as she was touring the United States. And then um, um, I had the opportunity to go to Arthur Finley College. And that's when I studied with Tony and Simone Key and Lynn Probert uh, and so on and so forth. And that was an eye-opening experience for me. Um, I didn't really feel um, when I was at Arthur Finley that I was prepared uh, to be thrown on stage doing platform. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
and um you know and you're sitting amongst you know 60 or 70 people in your class who have been doing this you know a lot longer than you have it's a little intimidating <laughs> um but um it made me realize at that point that i am on the right track yeah so um no. that's how I, that's how the opportunity came about it just presented itself um and i really feel i was guided because i was fed little tidbits of information like almost like trails of breadcrumbs to follow the path you know it was given to me from spirit there's no doubt yeah you'd mentioned arthur finley a moment ago uh for those who aren't familiar can you uh elaborate on what that is and maybe what it felt like walking walking through those doors for the first time well um yes i certainly can uh well, Arthur Finley College, um, first of all, is the number one college for psychic sciences and mediumship in the world. Um, it was um, originally Arthur Finley um, it was a, a um, oh, I believe he was involved in finance um, from his father in Scotland. And he was handling some high-profile uh, accounts of Scotland, and I, I do believe he's a lord as as well, mm. um, and that runs in their family. So he's a lord of Scotland, <laughs> and I believe he retired. I think at thirty-eight years old, um, and might even be a little younger than that. Um, because he just didn't want to do that anymore. And so um, <clears throat> somehow um, he ran across, um, uh, it's called Stansted Hall at the time, and he purchased it in the 1920s. Um, and um, that became his permanent residence. And then what has happened over the period of years with Arthur Finley is that um, he met a few mediums and um, he began to study the science of mediumship and looked into it uh, further as to start um, interviewing more mediums and finding that the information coming from spirit was uh, so personal and detailed um, and about things about Arthur Finley and his family that no one would even know. And so he, he did more uh, research. And um, over the years, um, he donated the college. Uh, I, I'm sorry, he donated his personal home, excuse me, uh, for it to be a college. And uh, Gordon Higginson was uh, appointed by Arthur Finley. And Gordon Higginson is, um, you know, our, our equivalent to uh, Edgar Cayce. Yes. <laughs> and of the 20th century. And so uh, Gordon Higginson is in, of course, England. And he appointed Gordon to run the college and uh, keep it going. And so after Arthur Finley passed away in the 60s, um, it then became a college, I believe, in 1967 or 68. And um, the college has been going ever since. Um, and so 
uh, Mavis Patilla studied underneath Gordon Higginson. And so um, that inspired me to research more about Arthur Finley College. And um, of course, Tony teaches there as well, Tony Stockwell. And so I, um, you know, I, the first time I walked in the doors, I, um, I didn't really know what to expect, but the grandeur of the place and the property is absolutely beautiful. It's very magical. You could feel the energy of the place when you step foot on the grounds. Um, walking through, you know, uh, the reception area of uh, Arthur Finley um, is very welcoming, very loud because everybody's registering at the same time. Lots of energy floating around, <laughs> you know. Um, and the time I went there uh, is when they were having an intense heat wave with 110% humidity and uh, no air conditioning oh, my. Uh, within a historic uh, uh, building. Um, and um, so that in itself was an experience. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved it. Um, at the time, uh, Tony was still getting over chicken pox, which he, uh, of course, um, I think he, he ended up getting it from his kids. And he had been pretty sick for, for quite a while. And so quite a few of the courses prior to our course were canceled and we were lucky enough uh to um be able to attend part of his course and um he actually had to have other instructors come in to fill in his um his time because he, he just wasn't strong enough to be able to to handle the whole you know 10 days of the workshop and so that's where simone key and uh lynn probert and kitty wood came in and uh, it was a great experience studying with four tutors within that amount of time. It was oh. just amazing. I loved it. <laughs> I, love um, I know of Lynn. I don't know Kitty, but um, I absolutely adore Simone. I think that's fantastic. As uh, someone who, who has studied with and experienced both the sort of, I guess we'd call it the American style and sort of that British style in your point of view are, what are some of those noticeable differences? I think the noticeable differences is this, is that the, the English style is, I would say more classic. Um, I think it's more direct and I believe that you need to provide the evidence the details of the evidence from the spirit world to prove who you're working with. And um, I think you're providing at least six or seven pieces of substantial evidence to be able to know for, for the person that you're connecting with in the audience um, or in front of you uh, during um, a sitting that, you know, they know who you are connecting with right um for i would say 98 percent. now sometimes somebody comes through that you know you haven't met and um or the most unlikely person to come forward so uh you have to be prepared for that 
And then I, it is the, the responsibility of the medium to pull the information from the spirit and not be asking the questions to the client. Now I see in an American, um, in, in American uh, details of mediumship, I see that sometimes people go direct, which there's nothing wrong with going direct, but I do believe you do have to still provide the evidence because the evidence is truly who, what proves um, the mediumship's ability, but the gift of the spirit world to flow through the medium to verify who it is. Right. Um, what I find sometimes is some people go direct and they'll get about halfway through and then there's, there's a sequence of no's all of a sudden. And uh, I have seen where the medium will bombard the person as to say, no, that's what I'm hearing. That's what they say. Well, maybe you don't remember. And the recipient is saying, no, that's not this person. And what happens is sometimes the person you're supposed to connect with is sitting right directly behind the recipient you're working with that you think is the person that's supposed to be on the receiving end. You understand? So they've missed the opportunity of connecting with the right person. Um, or they don't get the validation from the client, uh, here in the States about whether or not the information they're receiving is correct. Um, I think it's, I think you have to have the validation. Yeah. Um, because you know, as we're still humans as, as mediums and we do make mistakes, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I can say, okay, I, I try to do, you know, myself 95 to 98%. I keep myself pretty high, but I still sometimes make a mistake, you know? Um, and, and it's, and it's, it's a, this is a humbling experience that we're, we're doing for humanity and for the spirit world. And you have to stay in touch with that, um, you know, with, with being in that humbled state of being um and know that you know you can make a mistake um so either way um um uh, the answer to your question is i i think the, the working in how they do it in england in mediumship to british mediumship versus the states um i also find too that there's a there's an authority that handles the British mediumship. There is, there is a, um, the SNU, you know, which handles all of, uh, the religious aspect to me, to mediumship. And it's, you know, kind of against the law for people to do psychic on stage as a medium. You can't do psychic, uh, in, in Great Britain um, in, in a church, you have to stick with mediumship. Yeah. And so there's somebody there, you know, that there's a board who oversees, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And in the United States, we don't have that. Right. And so you have people, um, you know, uh, you know, everything from maybe semi-professional to professional, and then you have uh, there's there's nobody here to um, 
to oversee the ethics and how it's being done. Right. Um, so I, I feel it's more free form here. I don't know if that's what I say more less acceptable. Um, in some cases, yes. <laughs> you know, right. just because I've had that strict um, background and education of, of, you know, standing by uh, what I feel is valid from my own personal experience. So when someone comes to you for a sitting, do you strictly work mediumistically or do you offer uh, psychic sessions or do you ever blend personal practice? Well, um, I do both. Um, when someone comes in, I basically know, um, like on my website, I don't have it separated between psychic and mediumship. I have it as a combination for both. And the, the, the fee is the same, okay, for the same time period. When they come in, um, I will know from the spirit world whether we're doing all mediumship or all psychic or a combination of both. Spirit will tell me. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll say, I know that you're here for a mediumship reading, but are mm -hmm. you looking for some psychic, um, advice or guidance as well? And, you know, sometimes people say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that. Um, but you have to know the difference, um, as a medium to know the different, the difference between working psychically and working in mediumship. And, um, you need to know how to separate that energy. Um, I think that's a, a huge responsibility to know how to separate the two and, and know when you're in one particular energy versus the other one. Because psychically, you're working with blending your energy and, and blending your org field with their org field and tapping into their energetic field. And um, versus, you know, mediumship, you're you're connecting strictly with the spirit world. Right. Now, because we're always working on ourselves and development as an ongoing process, is there anything, um, well, I guess one, what do you do on a consistent basis to sort of feed and nurture and evolve yourself? And I guess sort of the second part to that is, are there any elements or, or aspects, uh, directions of your mediumship that you feel pulled to go more, more deep into? <clears throat> well, um, I think ongoing education in what we do is important Anyway, I just, I, I feel staying connected uh, with the changes in mediumship. I think, you know, mediumship is constantly changing. Our world is constantly changing and the spirit world is constantly changing. So it's great to be uh, doing continuous education to keep you connected with the ever-changing flow of energy and how things are perceived differently. Um, just, I mean, just looking at our technology, our technology has evolved and, and changed and the spirit world has, has modified their way of communicating through that technology. So, you know, that just, that's just one aspect of the world changing, right? 
Then we have the pandemic and how that's changed us and how we view the world. So there's a lot of things that change. Um, at this point for me in my mediumship now, um, I finally feel confident enough to teach. Um, and unlike yourself, Travis, you've been doing this a little longer than I have. Um, I'm the late bloomer, you know, later in life, I'm going to be 59 this year, believe it or not. No way. <laughs> yeah, way. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say actually, <laughs> but anyhow, it's, it's just a number. And, um, I, I, I look at it this way. Um, you know, now I'm, I'm looking at, um, furthering my teaching and, um, right now I'm teaching psychic development, but I'm working on, um, you know, working on uh, teaching mediumship soon, um, with some of those students that are in the, in my classes right now. So that's been really exciting and a change for me. Um, and, um, I think it's important to, you know, um, and what I've learned from Tony and from Mavis and Simone is that it is very important for us uh, as mediums to, you know, to shut down. Um, and we have to live our physical lives. Yeah. So it's very important to be able to um, shut down that connection with the spirit world. We can't be constantly between two worlds that you know your energy is just going to deplete and it's going to become annoying for a lot of people who don't understand what we do you know um, if you have a significant other or a husband or a wife um, or a girlfriend boyfriend whatever the situation may be um, I think that would be after a while it would start getting on someone's nerves that you're <laughs> constantly working so it's important to take that time out and uh, shut down and, and live your physical life and and um, um, and yet it's still important that you must get enough rest and um, like I don't drink alcohol the night before like any kind of mixed drink or wine or anything before uh, the day before I do readings I just feel it alters myself so. I take the responsibility of, you know, doing that with friends, maybe on the weekend when I'm networking. Right. Uh, so, you know, there's that side of the coin of having to take care of ourselves um, because it does take energy to do this work. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I see so many, and, and I'm guilty of it myself where, you know, our, our responsibility to our own physical self, our, whether it is our rest or eating habits or whatever it may be, kind of gets put on the back burner. And uh, it, it kind of answered the, the next question I was going to ask, which was, you know, what are some of those things that you do to just ground yourself and be human? Well, let's see. What is it that I do to ground myself? <laughs> well, um, uh, you know, before I start working, I, I definitely ground myself. Um, that's important because I tend to stay very busy around the house, you know, doing this, that, and the other thing and wearing different hats. Um, and um, let's see. Uh, how would I ground myself and take care of myself? I... I like to get massages. Um, mm -hmm. I do feel that that's important. Um, you know, taking a nice Epsom salt bath once in a while that helps kind of like 
release a lot of stuff, you know, just uh, from working. Um, but I, I start my day, you know, like I said, grounding myself. I, um, I have a really good breakfast, usually about two, two and a half hours before I start work. So I don't have that sitting there, you know, in my stomach <laughs> as I'm trying to connect with the spirit world. Cause that for me is difficult. Oh yeah. Um, and a lot of times I do skip out on lunch and I just do, if I eat, I, I eat something very lightly. Um, and then I'll have a bigger meal for, for dinner after I'm finished. Um, and it, I think it's really important too, as mediums, um, um, you know, most, I don't know if people notice, but most mediums are, are really overweight and, um, it, it, it is an issue because we're sitting with our clients. We're sitting for most of the day. Yep. Uh, the other issue is when people tend to ground, uh, after finishing, they go for the unhealthy foods. Mm -hmm. So they'll go mm -hmm. for, you know, cookies and they'll go for candy and, um, sugary drinks and, and so on and so forth. And yes, it grounds you, but then you're starting up, you know, the calories and then the, um, the point of having diabetes, you know, so you just have to really, um, make some choices of what kind of foods you're going to have to ground you, you know? Right. Right. Now this might be because I've never been abroad. Um, and so maybe as someone who has been on sort of both sides of the pond, you might have an interesting perspective on this. Uh, one of the things that I, I liked about you was that you identified as a spiritualist uh -huh. and, um, you know, as, which is something I'm incredibly passionate about. And, uh, you know, it's obvious that the spiritualist movement, the spiritualist religion is not what it once was. And especially here in the United States, not as prevalent as it was a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. um, when you look at spiritualism as, as a religion, um, what, what do you see as maybe where we could either go in a better direction or approach? Because sometimes I worry about the future of spiritualism and it's dwindling numbers. Uh, well, uh, that's, I have a great answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I find that first of all, uh, Americans, um, really don't know a lot about history and, or they, or, you know, they just don't take a lot of interest, uh, to find out the research. I, I don't know if everyone has the skill set or maybe the patience or time to do the research. But um, for me personally, uh, I had no idea how involved spiritualism was with American history. Mm -hmm. And it was such an eye-opening experience when I first started doing this. Um, and understanding, you know, the philosophy behind spiritualism and, um, and how it evolved and then how it, you know, stood behind, um, uh, civil rights, um, that we have today and, uh, freedoms that we have today because of, um, you know, getting rid of the, um, the slavery act, uh, and, um, you know, having, um, it was very interesting because, 
our country was going through such a shift at that time and women at the same time that we were having slavery you know women had no power they had no say so they had no they could not own property they couldn't get a divorce um they had they in most cases couldn't even speak their mind um and they would never be able to inherit uh their husband's um property possessions uh so on uh, family possessions or inheritance and um at the same time we had the suffrages movement which was uh, developing uh, a group of women that were uh, creating um, women to, to gather to have a voice to be able to vote in this country and and have a um, have a say in what's going on in their country and this stimulated a lot of different countries outside the United States to have the same, they started recognizing what was going on. But um, to get back to spiritualism, um, it was the suffragists coming through Lilydale, um, going to Casadega for um, a women's retreat uh, to uh, speak about voting rights and to spread the, spread the word. And apparently there was a, a really horrible winter storm and um, they, they had to go back uh, and they, they came around Lilydale and they, that was the closest town uh, where they could find uh, safety and uh, um, to be taken in. And, and Lilydale basically opened arms to these women. And I, I'm gathering from, from what I remember, I think there was like 400 women and some of them had children as well. So um, uh, the blending began there. Because the spirit in spiritualism, we look at another woman uh, or a woman equal to a man uh, in the image of God and the creation of man. Men and women are equal. And so the suffrages brought through all of these women's rights and voting rights and um, um you know, and they blended it together. And what happened is the suffrages went from one spiritualist church to the other through the country, and they supported each other through that. And so spiritualism grew, and um, the suffrages and the women's movement grew, and the abolishment of slavery began. Um, and so, you know, there's famous people who are spiritualists. So um, George Vanderbilt and his wife, Edith were, were spiritualists that have the Biltmore house. And most people don't know that. Um, Edith was very good friends with um, uh, President Lincoln uh, and his wife, Mary Todd. So, uh, and Lincoln actually brought the first medium to the White House, which is, so all these things kind of transpired in American history. And, you know, I had no idea prior to getting into becoming uh, a a professional working medium that this happened or this is part of history that has kind of been thrown under the rug. And so um, I think it's important to the answer to your question is to, to bring the history of the, the importance of history of spiritualism to the American people to broaden 
and also to get their curiosity of like, well, I've never heard of this, you know? Yeah. Uh, because I speak to a lot of people and I, I live here in the Asheville area. And I, of course, I'm in the Bible Belt. Uh, now, Asheville and the surrounding areas are very open-minded in uh, terms of different religions and um, ways of thinking. But outside that, you know, 20, 30 miles outside that, it's very uh, traditionally, you know, Baptist. Yep. And um, so we don't, we, don't, we don't have a spiritualist church here in North Carolina. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, for anybody, too, who's listening, who is interested in the very rich and fascinating history of spiritualism, uh, Aaron Menke's podcast. Um, and now that I'm saying that the, the title slips my mind, Unobscured. It's called Unobscured. Season two is a, a real deep dive into the history of spiritualism. So if anybody is interested in that, definitely check that out. Um, I have one comment and then one last question. So sure. Uh, my comment is, as I was kind of looking at your online presence, you had some pictures of your office on Facebook. And I just have to say, it's totally beautiful. Uh, I love the aesthetic. I love the vibe. My two favorite colors, that teal and those rich purples. So I just <laughs> wanted to tell you how beautiful your office is. Oh, well, thank you. I'm sitting and... in it as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, you know, for anybody who might be interested in any of your upcoming classes or any of the services that you offer, how can people get a hold of you? Well, um, I they can get a hold of me through my website. Um, my classes, um, I the person that uh, usually helps me with that um, has been under the weather with COVID, unfortunately. So um, I just spoke with her actually today. So she's going to be on it in the next day or so with adding the information for uh, my upcoming classes. But um, uh, right now you can go on to Eventbrite um, and uh, search for tickets in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Um, right now, I'm not doing any online classes, but I, I plan on doing them soon. Uh, these are going to be um, in-person live classes with uh, psychic development levels one and two intensive. So, um, And I'll be doing another intro class live as well because I already have uh, students getting ready. Uh, you know, they've showed an interest with that as well. So I'll be getting ready for that. Fantastic. Well, yeah. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our conversation and I just appreciate you coming on here and the time we've had. Together. Well, you know, it's always an honor to connect with another colleague and um, somebody who, you know, takes um, uh, our work to, you know, the highest level of integrity and responsibility. I think it's very important uh, that we have fun with what we do, but there is that responsibility and seriousness of, you know, the lives in the spirit world and the lives here in the physical. And so, you know, I, I see that in your work when I've looked at, um, you know, your videos, or I've looked at um, some of the classes and things that you've taught at Lilydale. Um, and it's, it's, it's inspiring to see that people are starting in our in, in our uh, world to start asking questions and start doing more research and um you know we all have to kind of remember why we're doing what we're doing and yeah. what is the reason for what we're doing it 
uh, why we're doing it. What's the purpose of really doing mediumship? And, um, and I've always done that even in everything that I do. And I, I see that in you as well. So it's, it's, you know, uh, an applause to you. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate that. It really means a lot. And uh, I'm sure whether it's at uh, Lilydale or, or somewhere else, I'm sure we're bound to cross paths someday physically. Absolutely. I hope so. And I hope I answered your questions as, I mean, I did it to my best ability and, um, you know, it's been a pleasure that you've, um, uh, you know, invited me to come on the show. So thank you very much.